This is the Daily Signal podcast for Tuesday, November 29th. I'm Samantha Sherris. It's been a tumultuous couple of days in China as people continue to protest the Communist Party regime's zero-COVID policy. Last Thursday, a fire broke out in an apartment complex that killed at least 10 people and injured at least nine others. Joining the podcast today to discuss these protests and more is Michael Cunningham, a research fellow here at the Heritage Foundation. We'll get to my interview with Michael right after this. As conservatives, sometimes it feels like we're constantly on defense against bad ideas, bad philosophy, revisionist history, junk science, and divisive politics. But here's something I've come to understand. When faced with bad ideas, it's not enough to just defend. If we want to save this country, then it's time to go on offense. Conservative principles are ideas that work. Individual responsibility, strong local communities, and belief in the American dream. As a former college professor and current president of the Heritage Foundation, my life's mission is to learn, educate, and take action. My podcast, The Kevin Roberts Show, is my opportunity to share that journey with you. I'll be diving into the critical issues that plague our nation, having deep conversations with high-profile guests, some of whom may surprise you. And I want to ensure freedom for the next generation. Find The Kevin Roberts Show wherever you get your podcasts. Over the weekend, protests erupted throughout China and even throughout the world in response to the nation's zero-COVID policy, as well as a fire in an apartment building in Urumqi that left at least 10 people dead and at least nine people were injured. I'm thrilled to welcome back Michael Cunningham, a research fellow in the Asian Studies Center here at the Heritage Foundation, to discuss these protests and more. Michael, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me again. Of course. Now, first and foremost, can you tell us about these protests? Yeah. So, um, well, you gave a good introduction of what happened. It was really sparked by the the fire in Urumqi. So um, China has sort of a, a practice uh, in its zero COVID policy of, of when it um, when it locks down uh, cities or, or buildings. Uh, lots of times it'll uh, erect uh, barricades or sometimes even sh- uh, lock or weld people inside. And so we're not sure if any of that happened, but there's a, a public perception that that was probably the case mm-hmm. and that that's one of the reasons why uh, so many people died in that fire. Now, what was surprising about it, though, was that uh, protests just erupted. Mm-hmm. So my my contacts on the ground in China uh, explained how they literally, their WeChat, the social messaging app that is uh, widely used in China, it just exploded over the weekend with just angry messages about the CCP regime, about zero COVID, about Xi Jinping, mm-hmm. um, really unprecedented. And so um, there, it, you know, it's, it was sparked because of uh, th- this fire, but there's a lot of pent up anger mm-hmm. about uh, the zero COVID policies. Uh, and about the uh, the erosion of individual freedoms, uh, really, especially since Xi Jinping came to power, but but more generally, and there's a lot of concern and a, a feeling of desperation that a lot of people in China have, as Xi has further consolidated his power. They're worried about going back to uh, previous uh, periods of, um, well, when other periods of one man rule that that have been characterized by just. Uh, instability and and bad policies. Mm -hmm. 
One thing that I noticed while researching this unrest and looking at different photos was the use of white paper by protesters. What is this about? What What's the meaning behind it? I, I read that um, they're labeling it, some reports are labeling it the white paper protest. Yeah, so using white papers, this is a pretty classic Chinese form of protest. Um, they used it in Hong Kong as well after the government started cracking down. Um, and it's because they're basically protesting the fact that they can't say anything anyway. Anything they write on that paper would would be considered reactionary and mm-hmm. and, and the government could, could prosecute them for it. And so even not writing anything on that paper can result in them them going to jail. Mm-hmm. But but that's one thing they've done is this um, white paper. They, they, they have the Chinese have very creative ways of protesting. In Tsinghua University, I believe it was Tsinghua um, over the weekend, we also saw a bunch of math students who held up a, a mathematical equation that means absolutely nothing to you and me, but it's actually an equation called the Friedman equation. And of course, there it's a play on words, uh, freed man. Wow, that's pretty clever. You know, I, I want to talk a little bit more about the protesters themselves. And as we've been talking about the lockdowns, um, what have these lockdowns been like? You know, how long have they been going on? And what is the severity of the lockdowns? Like, can people go anywhere? It's different mm-hmm. in every city that's locked down and every community that's locked down. Urumqi had been locked down for about 100 days. Wow. So, um, yeah, um, you know, I, we had the most visibility in the lockdowns uh, in Shanghai this spring. That was, uh, you know, we could see sort of the, the, the lack of, of mobility, but but every... Every city is different, and some of them, one person in the family can, or in a household can leave every couple days to go grocery mm-hmm. shopping, and, and some, uh, nobody can leave. Um, generally, uh, someone who's under quarantine in China, mm-hmm. uh, what they'll do is they'll actually put an alarm on your door wow. that if you open the door for more than a few seconds, uh, it will it will actually alert the local police station. Wow. Um, so you really, you cannot leave home. Mm-hmm. And let's say if people do leave home or even these protesters themselves, what are they risking? Like, What are the potential consequences of their actions? Well, the protesters are risking everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, the CCP is an extremely powerful and a, an extremely uh, brutal regime. Mm-hmm. It does not uh, accept any uh, dissent. So I, I have to say protests are not unheard of in China. They're mm-hmm. actually quite common, but they're usually against local uh, officials. Um, and so the, the stakes there aren't nearly as high as when you're literally standing up as some protesters have and said, uh, the CCP and Xi Jinping mm-hmm. have to go. Or when they're standing up and saying, no more totalitarianism, we want democracy, which mm-hmm. is, is what we heard in some of the protests as well over the weekend. So um, some of these people, it just shows how much desperation they have that they're mm-hmm. standing up and openly defying this regime that literally can uh, disappear them mm-hmm. and we only have to look at the the people who survived the 1989 Tiananmen Square mm-hmm. protests. Some of them have yet to see the light of day. Most of them who ha- who were punished for that, many of them have had their lives ruined. Mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit more about um, 
the Tiananmen Square protests um, and also Xi Jinping. We talked about this previously on the podcast. He was just um, given secured a third five year term. And and we've seen these protests, as as you mentioned, calling for, you know, his removal, the end um, to, uh, you know, the CCP and, and that calls for democracy. How likely is that in, in China? Like, what's your prediction there? Uh, extremely unlikely. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in order to take down the, the CCP or, or Xi, so the likelihood of Xi um, being removed from power would definitely be higher than, mm-hmm. than the CCP. But basically, at, at this point, in order for protesters to topple the CCP, it would require for there to be a split in the the top leadership Mm -hmm. of the CCP. Um, And following the party congress with with Xi's unprecedented consolidation of power, Mm -hmm. uh, that's even less likely than it already was. Mm -hmm. Um, The the leadership are, you know, Xi's people. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's very unlikely that that's going to happen. But, you know, if things get really bad um, and I mean, it would also it would take the, the senior leadership to decide that she has to go, which is mm-hmm. also very unlikely. Um, we, we don't know right now if the protests are even going to continue long term mm-hmm. or or if if they're pretty much going to wind down. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a very dynamic uh, situation right now. But if they do continue long term, it's probably not going to end well for the mm-hmm. protesters. Yeah, that was actually another one of my questions was how long and, you know, do you think these protests will go on? Do you think they'll continue to get bigger? or Will they stay, you know, about the size that they are now? Well, right now, it's not yet a, a mass movement mm-hmm. where, you know, like what we saw in, in Hong Kong mm-hmm. a few years ago, where every sector of society is, is involved in, to some extent. Um, right now, so far, they're mostly, mostly localized protests, except they're happening all throughout the country. Mm-hmm. But we're talking universities protesting on campus, people protesting um, near their communities. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very hard to organize large-scale protests due to the surveillance state and due mm-hmm. to the fact that all of their communications uh, uh, are, uh, are, can be monitored and, and will yeah. be. Um, and, and so um, it's, it's an open question. As I said, it's a very dynamic situation. Mm-hmm. It, things could continue to escalate from here. Uh, things seemed relatively quiet last night in mm-hmm. in China, or I guess tonight in China, yeah. <laughs> uh, because of the time difference uh, compared to over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, if if things continue to, uh, so 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 they, they they could end pretty quickly. But if they mm-hmm. continue and it continues to escalate, then um, then it you know we we could see things go on mm-hmm. for quite some time. And where these protests are happening, we, we you just mentioned uh, in universities, you know, more at the at the local level. Is there any significance to where these these protests are happening location wise? Usually not. In mm-hmm. Shanghai, there is because okay. the biggest protest in Shanghai occurred on a street that is called Urumqi Street. Mm-hmm. So that was a, a natural place for for them to congregate. Mm-hmm. But in in most cases, it's uh, it's occurring. Uh, my understanding is that in most in most of these cities, it's really you know occurring maybe in front of uh, a certain residential community, mm-hmm. and and they're 
coming out and protesting. We're talking hundreds to a couple thousand people. We're not yet talking, you know, at, at the height of the Hong Kong protests, they had a, a, a protest of two, two million people. Wow. Uh, yeah, so we're talking like a quarter of, of the city's population, and we haven't seen anything even approaching that. Earlier, you brought up Tiananmen Square, and I want to get your thoughts on something that China expert Gordon Chang said on Fox News on Monday. And he he talked about uh, this is actually more dangerous than 1989, the Tiananmen Square massacre, because then protesters really wanted to keep the Communist Party in place, but just wanted to replace some hardline leaders. This is more like 1949, where the Chinese people had just given up on the nationalist government of Chiang Kai-shek, and then the communists came in. What do you think of Gordon's comments? Is that a fair comparison? It's too early to know, actually, uh, the extent of, of these protests. And, and I would say uh, in, in some locations, uh, that's absolutely correct. In some locations, they are actively calling for mm-hmm. Xi and the CCP to, to, sta- to step down. In some locations, they're literally just calling for an end to COVID restrictions mm-hmm. and, and for, for a return of the freedoms that they're used to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's yet to be determined what okay. direction these protests are going to move if they ever do sort of mm-hmm. um, uh, turn into one coherent movement. Mm-hmm. And I also wanted to get your thoughts on the White House. They put out a response on Monday. It was tweeted by Christian Brown of CBS News saying, we've said that zero COVID is not a policy we are pursuing here in the United States. And as we've said, we think it's going to be very difficult for the People's Republic of China to be able to contain the virus through their zero COVID strategy. The statement also said, for us, we are focused on what works, and that means using the public health tools like continuing to enhance vaccination rates, including boosters, and making testing and treatment easily accessible. We've long said everyone has the right to peacefully protest here in the United States and around the world. This includes in the PRC. Do you have any thoughts on the White House's comments? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that question. I, I can't think of a weaker <laughs> response to what's happening in China. We have people living under uh, like one of the world's most uh, most repressive regimes, mm-hmm. which happens to be our greatest uh, 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 geopolitical rival, um, and they're standing up in defiance of their regime, mm-hmm. standing up for freedom. Uh, in some cases for democracy, and that's the best that the the leader of the free world can do. Uh, it seems very weak to me. Um, the, the U.S. should should be be standing up for freedom and democracy. Um, we should also be going on the offensive to show the world just how dysfunctional CCP rule is. Um, China attempts to to show the world that we're dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't do a very good job of that, but 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 we should be showing the world mm-hmm. what um, you know the, the the huge flaws of their mm-hmm. governing model, and we should be standing up for for freedom and democracy. I would also say one other thing is is that I personally have known pro democracy advocates in China who. It, you know, particularly in the Obama years, uh, told me how disappointed in the U.S. they were 
that our president was not standing up mm -hmm. for protesters in other countries. Um, whereas the U.S. cannot be seen, mm -hmm. um, the, the CCP is already going to say that the U.S. is somehow behind these protests. Mm -hmm. um, we cannot give them any reason to believe that their government is actually right there, but we should stand up and, and at, at least make the right statements and support uh, these wonderful people who are standing up and putting everything on the line for, for their freedom. And just along, you know, the same lines, we had Florida Representative Mike Waltz coming out and, and calling on the Biden administration to denounce China's inhumane lockdowns immediately. He said this in a tweet. Um, do you expect the White House to do this, especially after the statement that they put out? Do I reasonably expect them to do it? No, I don't expect that they will. I, I wish they would. Mm -hmm. Now, on an unrelated but somewhat related note, over the weekend, the Vatican accused China of violating its agreement on bishop appointments. The deal was originally signed in 2018 and renewed for the second time uh, last month. It essentially allows the Chinese Communist Party to participate in selecting Catholic bishops, though Pope Francis has the final say, the Associated Press previously reported. According to Vatican News, the Holy See press office released a statement on Saturday noting the surprise and regret of the Holy See upon receiving the news of an installation ceremony that took place on November 24th of a bishop. Um, what do you think of this allegation by the Vatican? Are you surprised that China allegedly violated this agreement? Um, a, a couple things. First, we're not really sure what the agreement is. Mm -hmm because it's never been released. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the first red flag here that, that um, um, well, I, I, the Vatican has clearly seen, mm -hmm. seen the agreement or, or believes it knows uh, the agreement. Um, I have heard it may even just be a verbal agreement that's, that's not even um, uh, in, in writing, which, which is, is uh, probably not uh, to the Vatican's benefit. Um, mm -hmm. The other thing is, did the Vatican actually expect the CCP to abide by an agreement? Mm -hmm. The only reason for religion, as far as the CCP is concerned, is to bolster its own claims to legitimacy. So that's the whole point of its agreement with the Vatican. I, I guess the other thing I would say is the Vatican renewed its agreement during, based on these reports, there mm -hmm. was a, a prolonged pressure campaign ahead mm -hmm. of this bishop's appointment. And during, it, it must have been during this, this pressure campaign that the Vatican renewed its agreement with Beijing. So the, the question is, why would they renew the agreement mm -hmm. uh, given that, that this was going on? Um, and also, it so happened that there's also a Catholic cardinal, Joseph Zen, in mm -hmm. Hong Kong, who is, is actually awaiting likely charges under Hong Kong's national security law. And so this agreement was also renewed mm -hmm. while all this is going on. And so unfortunately, this seems like like a, a, a problem that the Vatican essentially brought upon itself mm -hmm. by entering a, an agreement with, with a side that clearly had no intention of abiding by the agreement. Michael, just before um, we go, is there anything else that you would like to add regarding the unrest that we've been seeing in China and, and even throughout the world? Well, uh, it's, it's positive that we see people in other countries as well mm -hmm. demonstrating in support of, of the, the Chinese protesters. Mm -hmm. I would say, you know, 
we have to have realistic expectations on the one hand that this is highly unlikely to topple the CCP, but we should be supporting mm -hmm. them. Um, the Chinese people, they very much, um, you know, they, they desire freedom. Mm -hmm. Many of them desire democracy and many of them do support their government. There's a, there, there's a huge mix there. But um, uh, they, the Chinese people, they're going to be, or they really are, they see themselves, many of them, as being involved in a protracted, long-term struggle for, uh, for freedom. And, you know, they're, they're not on the winning side right now. Mm -hmm. But when we see them stand up against this oppressive regime, this essentially all-powerful regime that can decide their futures, it shows just both how, uh, how desperate they are and also that that that's a huge spark of freedom that's in them. So so we should be supporting them. Well, Michael Cunningham, thank you so much for joining us today. It was great to have you back on. Again, Michael Cunningham, a research fellow here at the Heritage Foundation. Thanks so much. Thank you. And that'll do it for my interview with Michael Cunningham. We'll be sure to have Michael back on for any further developments regarding the protests that we've been seeing in China and also throughout the world in response to the regime's zero COVID policy. If you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe to The Daily Signal wherever you get your podcasts and help us reach even more listeners by leaving a five-star rating and review. We read and appreciate all of your feedback. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day, and we'll be back with you all this afternoon for Top News. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. Executive producers are Rob Bluey and Kate Trinko. Producers are Virginia Allen, Samantha Asheris, and Jillian Richards. Sound design by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. To learn more, please visit DailySignal.com.